Are you ready for vintage? Because we've got vintage. Tonight's show is a very special look back on a show that I did with Charlotte Bukowski, season two of The Fabulous D Show. Ugh, it's the Thanksgiving Day special. <laughs> and the dumbing down of America. As always on The Fabulous D Show, it's certain to be relevant, no matter how vintage or how new. It's a mixture of vintage and new. It's like fashion. It's better than fashion. It's the Fabulous D Show, and it all starts right now with our vintage theme song, sung by Frank Cotolo. Somewhere beyond the D, she's there waiting for me. Fabulous D, the D we need And she is right there with Charlotte Bukowski Somewhere beyond the D There is nothing you need The Fabulous D show starts right now Here's the Fabulous D and Charlotte Bukowski. Turkey and lies. There is turkey and there is lies, and the turkey is a lie. And that is to the point where I am gravitating, revoltingly gravitating this uh, lately, this season, this everything i mean it's been it's been cold it's been oh my god you know i was going to do a vintage vintage episode today of a thanksgiving special that charlotte bukowski and i did many 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 moons ago and you know when i look at how long the show has been on it's been on a long time and as an artist, a creator, as a creator, any of you out there who are creators, uh, they always used to say about writers, writers, um, you know, their only is, th their best work is their last. It's never, you know, the first book I did was fantastic. You don't hear that a lot. I, I don't think I've ever said that. I mean, every book that you do, you think it's the best, and then, you know, you start to write the next one, and you decide, mm, yeah, that book sucked, that last one sucked, it was horrible, absolutely horrible. That's pretty much how I feel about everything, and that's pretty much how I've found that creators are, because it's not just writers, it's not the last, you know, the 20,000 poems ago, and I've done all or most of the facets of the art that I want to do. And, you know, the paintings that I painted when I was 14 years old are drab and boring, and I don't even know if they exist anymore. But I remember I used to paint, you know, landscapes, literally landscapes, and there was nothing interesting going on in them at all. And it could be, you know, with paintings, it's different because as long as you were proud of it and loved it and were really into it, 
you know, because I'm looking at the one I did of Charlotte Bukowski on my wall in front of me. And that was a long, long time ago. And I like it still. You know, it's it's got something. It captured something. But yet I don't feel that way about words and books. Uh, although I am proud of my autobiography, In Bed With Myself, but on the same level, I'm not proud of... Um, I don't even remember the titles. I I did like Goat in a Hailstorm. I still like Goat in a Hailstorm. And I still can read that proudly. I can't read the first poetry book I ever did, because that is pretty much the encompassing collection of the artist D poetry as a teenager. And and as I continually joke, oh, up on a, on a hilltop, locked in a castle, weeping for my love has left me. And, you know, it's that bullshit. And we have come quite a ways from that bullshit. <laughs> it's the Fabulous D Show, and I am the artist D. So I don't really picture that much good about most of the, the writings. And that's why I discontinued, oh, the worst book I ever wrote. I'm so hot, can I please come out now? I mean, the title was Smokin', and it was my best-selling book because of that title and that cover. I mean, you, you put a title like that on a book and a severed hand on the cover, and people buy it. And they, thankfully, people took it as a comedy. It was the truth from me. It was a compilation of rants and raves from my blogging days. And... Unfortunately, when you compile rants and raves from a teenager's blogging days, you get um, an unbalanced opinion. And uh, I'm sure that I could say the same about me now, if it was 20 years from now looking back at me now. I could still say that. But uh, not as much, hopefully, as then. Because, I mean, I was, I was writing it down. I was tearing it out in my teens, you know, daily writing rants, and, and I was in disbelief, much like I am today, of society, absolutely, positively, in disbelief. And that disbelief never ends. It just continues to come at me. And that's why I wanted to post the vintage episode of Charlotte Bukowski and I talking Thanksgiving talking uh, the dumbing down of America, making that, you know, it's just as valid today as it was then, for America is but more dumb than it was before. And in that episode, I mean, it was a great episode. And, and I will play some clips for you at break of that episode, because the clips are all I can purloin from it, because I'm looking at it and I'm trying to edit it down for you, and I couldn't do it. I mean, first of all, it's too good to cut up like that. You know, you can't take a 90-minute show and, and smoosh it further. You'll lose the context, especially when it was internet radio, you know, the, the very, very beginnings of internet radio for us. And we had already smooshed it down enough and and you just you lose the the feeling because anything else you just you don't understand 
And you think it's you either think it's the best thing you ever heard or you think it's the worst thing you ever heard. Because, you know, we were usually blotto. That is a bit tipsy for those who don't know. And you know, we just flow. And it always started out slow and it always went well. And but you know, I can't help but think that I I sound very uncomfortable. And and you have to wonder about all those people who said, you know, and who loved the show back then, because we had a very good, I mean, we, we've gone through so many different followings of of people listening, because we did the, the recorded, we started recorded, and then we went to live, and we went to blog talk radio, and then we went to WBRN, and it, it's just every time we went, it was a different... Uh, group of people. And I find that I'm now I'm entering into a different group of people again, that I'm going back to uh, shorter shows and pre-broadcasted and, you know, put together in a different way. But, you know, I, still, I thought I sounded very uncomfortable. And because I was thinking too hard. And the, the point is, for you to do it right, you, you can't be thinking. I mean, you just have to get on and do it. And I sat there this morning for like two hours, trying. I'm skipping around on 90-minute show. It was 2006, December, and I couldn't find. I couldn't find a breaking point. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where to stop. I didn't know what to share with you. And and I've been so oh maddening. It's been maddening lately with with the things that have been really really getting me down, and. You know, of course, you can't hear that because you don't think that things get me down. Uh, you know, always one of those people who, who, if I yell, you're terrified because you've never heard me yell. It's like when your your stoic mother cries and you've never seen your mother cry. Your father. How about your father? You've, you've never seen your father cry before and then he cries. You know, it's that glue. It's that. The, the stoic wall of a person that you look up to. And uh, I'm not bragging when I say that I seem to be taken in that uh, capacity because, I don't know, everyone around me can freak out, but I can't freak out, ever. Um, you know, and, and I have to be the one to solve the problems. And I'm the one they come to fix the problems. And when I go to have my problems fixed, they rarely are. I can't really say anything, you know, good about people trying to help me. It doesn't really bode well. And sometimes, you know, really, you know, egotistically, you have to think, you know, are my problems so enormous that the, the modern normal person cannot deal? And, you know, when I go to someone for help, they can't deal with that. So it was a vintage show. I'll show you some clips. I'll play you some clips. But at the end of the day, I couldn't edit it. I couldn't edit it because I had to just come on here and talk. Because it was, it's been the week, the month. I mean, here we go down another rabbit hole of the holiday season. And my God, how I hate the holiday season. And to think back, talking about vintage, think back about all the holiday seasons. I mean, where that all went, how it all went. Imagine, imagine your development in the holidays, which is the key. Have you developed your own 
holiday seasons? Have you resurrected yourself each year in a different way? Or is the holiday season for you just like it was when you were a child? Just the flip of the coin. Now you're an adult. Now you're the family. And that's what I notice a lot, a lot of people, unfortunately, is that they experience the same holiday season today as they did 25 years ago. It doesn't matter what side of the coin you are. I mean, sure, you grew up holiday season, child opening presents, and now you are aging adult celebrating holiday season opening presents. But it's the same plane. And for me, it's completely different because the holiday season is much like my development and uh, progression through religion because you you know you're born catholic and you're born catholic and then you know you go through you go through the motions catholic christian wiccan atheist no satanist atheist agnostic scientist you go through that those levels and you grow up and you become more and more and different and every holiday season being that your mind has changed so has your holiday season changed and for me that that's always made the holidays very interesting because yes i did grow up as a catholic or a christian celebrating thanksgiving and christmas and it was your average Thanksgiving and Christmas. Absolutely quintessential holiday season. Stuff yourself for Thanksgiving. Stuff yourself for Christmas. Unwrap things for Christmas. Go to the family that you hate. Uh, experience stress and, and waste time off from work by spending it with family you don't want to, opening presents you have no interest in, and eating food that you probably should not be eating, especially since you don't like any of the people you're eating it with. And, you know, then you go, and, and I, well, that was my childhood. <laughs> and then I went to um, teenage life, you know, where I dismissed my family and found my own way to be, and I found myself feeling very unplugged from it all. It was still there, but after after the family gathering, I'd go out because I was, you know, free to do so as a teen and uh, no longer a child, and I went out in, into the, you know, desolate parking lots of the world and watched people and, and thought, because the, the people that are out always on Christmas are usually the most sad-looking people and lonely-looking people, and that always fascinated me, and I always kind of just sat there and felt like one of them, because they were just as lonely and sad as I felt at that time, and I uh, can't really explain now why, other than emo teenager, but, uh, you know, goth, goth, <laughs> and I was out there, and I felt very connected to that all, the loneliness. And I liked it. And I liked because I went somewhere and, and saw people who felt like me, other than what I left at home of, you know, false happiness and, and togetherness and, and stuffing yourselves and things. And, and, and not to at all disprove happiness I had at home. Because I did have happiness at home. I had the, 
the wonderful presence and and it was great i liked i liked being a kid and and early teenager on christmas and because my family my and, and my interior family you know mom and dad they were always okay and that was always a good time and that was probably one of our happier times together was was those forced holiday seasons but then later on you know the family showed up or we had to go somewhere that wasn't fun that i didn't like and and i don't mind insulting that part of it whatsoever but on the same token need to clarify that the childhood and the inner family life was good in that way in that holiday i mean i love decorating and that was it for me that's why i said i always celebrated lights as as a child because as a teenager you know i, I wanted to put up lights i wanted to decorate but i didn't want to catholicize it to death and i didn't want to santa claus it to death at all i just wanted to celebrate the lights and that's why i say it. it's a celebration of lights i just want to celebrate lights i would hang up lights and this is not a christmas show it's a thanksgiving show it's our thanksgiving special vintage i don't know what's so vintage about it because we're vintage what vintage are you <laughs> when were you made if you were a bottle what year would you have on you and i just you know thanksgiving it starts with the landmines and absolutely despise people's landmines that they have to get together for thanksgiving they have to stuff themselves and i've been depressed because you know you get days off and i always said you, you know you out there gentle listeners you you get these holidays off of work and what do you do with them you spend them with people you don't want to and you do things you don't want to and it turns out to not be a holiday that's why i'm a huge backer of bank holidays that would be fantastic in america we need more bank holidays because they're just days off people just need days off i don't know if you gave an american a day off i don't know what they do with it because Every day off they have is a holiday, as in they have to celebrate something. They have to go have a picnic in the summer, and they have to have a sit-down dinner in the winter. They have to give gifts and spend money for people they don't want to, and, and go and stuff themselves and watch football games in, in November. And, you know, they're, they're just, they waste their days off religiously, emphatically, incredibly. I am amazed at how much time they waste. And now I have the time. And actually, I know what to do with the time, but I don't have the time. And that's fine. I work all the time, here or there. Whatever I'm doing, I am working. And maybe I'm my own worst enemy. I don't know what to do with a day off either. I try to sit there with a book and I think, mm, you know, could be online, could be doing something with the radio show, could be doing something with the magazine, could be doing something. And I want to do something. And it just leads me into these places. I'm, I'm not a holiday shopper. I don't buy anything for anyone out there. Because you can get everything you need on this amazing creation called the internet. I don't know why. You know, I have lived in some of the biggest cities in the country. You know, I have been to New York City. I have lived in Phoenix, Arizona, San Diego, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. I have lived in all of these places those the, that that place in florida what's it called miami right um oh yeah in atlanta i mean atlanta is ginormous and 
I've I've learned all these places because you know grew up poor farmer where you you go to the mall which is 25 minutes away and it's like you know a strip of of things that are completely irrelevant to you. You have no interest in what the stores of small-town America have to offer. And you think, one day, one day, I'll go and, and go to the big city, and I'll, I'll be able to just walk down the street and get whatever I want. And even in these cities, after we moved into these cities, you, I just noticed you still don't get what you want from anything to anything. It, it doesn't matter if you're looking for food. We still sit around in groups and say, what, what should we eat today? Where should we go? Well, I don't know. What are you hungry for? I don't know. Well, how about this, this, this? No, no, none of that interests me. You know, people in small town anywhere would say that us in, in big city, middle of everywhere, have everything at our fingertips and everything that they want. But, you know, get here, and suddenly, you know, everything is not on the menu. Or it's closed. I mean, my, my favorite story is, is living in Las Vegas, 2006, and... And I arrive, and, and, you know, they said it's a 24-hour city, and you go down to eat something at 10.30 p.m., and everything's closed. It's, you know, the 24-hour cities are a lie, just like the holidays are a lie. It's, it's all directly connected on The Fabulous D Show. This episode of The Fabulous D Show is brought to you by our friends at... We are dark. We are devious. We're fabulous. It's the Fabulous D Show every Sunday night at 7 p.m. EST, 12 a.m. GMT, broadcasting globally from theartistd.com. Tune in to hear me and my fabulous guests discuss reality on a level you didn't even know existed. 18 years. How does that happen? How is that possible? We're alive and well on the underground. Won't you join us? Turn on the Fabulous D Show along with many other perfect podcasts of the adult nature right here at Outloud Shows. Visit adult.outloudshows.com for more. This is Becky Cannon, so you listening to The Fabulous D Show. This is Campus Christmas, and it's Matters a Box of Frogs. And don't forget to sign up on Transtastic.com, the most fabulous transcended social network site in the world. Transtastic.com. Everyone is welcome. Share your passions. Live your dreams. Be who you want to be. Transtastic.com. She's fabulous. She's funny. She's the artist D. Hi, I'm Samantha Renee from Sunrise and Sammy. Heard every weekday morning from 8 a.m. until 12 noon Eastern Time. And you're listening to The Fabulous D Show on Rainbow Mix Radio, where all the good songs have gone. Things seem very unimportant. The important things are not important anymore. No, they, they aren't, and it's it's, it's 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 it is a shame. It yeah. is a shame, and it's like that um, that email uh, 
forward that people send around like every year comparing, you know, the, the good old days to now. Mm-hmm. And all those things, you know, oh my goodness, we, we sat too close to the TV. We ate, we ate tuna fish out of a can. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> goodness, we could have cut ourselves on the can. Oh, heavens. Uh, and, and how many times, you know, uh, were we in contact with a rusty nail or, or a rusty something? <laughs> rusty railroad spike. <laughs> <laughs> we, st- we still come in contact with those. Yeah. Yes, do you... Do you uh, that, that I, I'm sure our, our listeners don't quite understand that. Oh, that's, that's, oh, a that's of, right, because it is... alcoholic beverage, yes. And it's your, kind of like your name. Yes, well, actually, uh, not my, really my a friend traditional. Kenny... No, my friend Kenny... Uh, renamed that particular. It's it's based uh, on a rusty nail, right. which is a cocktail of scotch and drambuie. It's very small. And you take about an ounce and a half of scotch and about oh a quarter to a half an ounce of drambuie floated on the top, usually served on the rocks. Nice little aperitif. Well, the way I used to drink them back in in the heyday was oh about four ounces of scotch, and two ounces of drambuie in a huge <laughs> bucket. So it went from being a rusty nail to a rusty railroad spike, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of my favorite drinks. Absolutely. Yes, it is. It it it's it's an It'll... an a. Definite libation. <laughs> and it, it, it packs a wallop. <laughs> straight booze, baby. Straight yeah. booze. <laughs> That's so good. So good. Yeah, especially if you're in that whiskey mood. Oh, yeah, with yeah. The dark Buckets alcohol. of booze. Oh, yeah. We're so prurient. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I tell you that I received an email from a friend of mine? The, the, the top ten reasons why, that, why Charlotte should be president. No, you did not. No. Shall I share? Please do. Oh, my goodness. Okay. The top ten reasons why Charlotte should be president. Ten. She's cuter than all the other candidates, ensuring the otherwise sporadic attention span of the American male population. Now, you have to remember, this was written by a male. (laughs) She exceeds all others by at least 60 IQ points. Mm -hmm. Number eight. She has inhaled. And then so. <laughs> Number seven, Chaz, J- Chubbs, and Frizz, those are the names of my pets, would make better cabinet advisors than the present clan of spider monkeys. <sighs> it's true. Frizz uh, would so exceed Condoleezza. Uh-huh. In a heartbeat, darling, in a heartbeat. And, and yeah. he's cuter. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> and number six. She would once and for all lay to rest that male superiority bullshit. Mm. And like I said, this is written by a male. Okay. Number five. Flats would be outlawed for women. <laughs> <laughs> My personal favorite is number four. Nationwide, government-controlled brothels would stimulate the economy. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, put That's a brothel true. in every county. Come on. You know, come on, people. Half of, half of, more than half of oh. everything. Please. We, we, we have all of our financial woes fixed in oh, 10 months. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, okay. Number three. This is probably going to be your personal favorite. All aliens from outer space would receive an invitation to a beef stroganoff dinner, ensuring their allegiance forever. <laughs> That is my favorite. 
Number two, lawyers, car registration fees, and tickets would be replaced by tree-hugging sessions. Mm. <laughs> and the number one reason that Charlotte would be, should be president is, she's my friend, and I need a damn job. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. This is Mac Danger from Swillin' Radio and also from Dead Cowboy Rebellion and Twin Rivers. You are currently listening to The Fabulous D Show with your host, the artist D. Anything worthwhile? Probably not. These are the folks that Bukowski used to write about, Charles Bukowski used to write about, just... In, in their jobs, and they're happy to have a job, and they're, they're wasting their life away. They're so deadbeat tired by the end of the day. They can't think. They can't be creative. They, they can't think for themselves. They're taught how to, how to behave, speak, you know, and, and think upon their, during, while they're doing their jobs. They're, they're making very little money, just enough to, to squeak by. And it's like, you know, what's the point of living? And they and, somehow and, find one, which is really they, 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 they do. They, and me, I, I'm always... And, and this is where the American in us, I think, comes out, people like you and I. There has to be more. Yes. There has to be more than that. There is more. And Play you have way. to be brave enough to go get it. Yeah. And that's all Bukowski ever I think, tried to say, was you have to be brave enough to stand up to the forces that are in place yeah. and say, I will forfeit my comfortable existence so that I can have my artistic freedom. Because how can that be comfortable? It can't. Be, it isn't comfortable. It isn't. No I've been one, there. It is not no, comfortable. No one would say that's comfortable. That's why I get fired to quit all the time. I finally am just so fed up. I'm like, I would rather go sleep in the back of my car than deal with one more ounce of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've, I've done it. Yeah, and and they're they're total. It's total economic slavery that they. Oh, it's complete are, economic slavery. That they're not. I mean, no one. They don't have a life. They don't have a. They don't have a time to think. They go to work and then they go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how. I mean, that takes a very must take a very either brave or stupid or afraid person. I to, think afraid. Yeah, because they're too scared to die, but yet they're too scared to do they're anything else. Too afraid. Else. To, too scared to live. Right. So they just do it, and they keep doing it, and that—that's what and leads to all trip. this this unrest with everybody. Mm-hmm. But I got the the got the goddamn breakfast burrito, <laughs> and I and it was one of those comical scene scenes that I wish we were on YouTube right now, because you know I'm at the t- at the counter and I open the bag slowly and I look in, you know, down the long bag, and here's this little little thing, you know. <laughs> this little wrapped mouse, little little, little wrapped, yeah, little wrapped yeah. turd of a thing, and it's like, hmm, and a little, you know, hash brown, hash brown in a piece of paper that's totally unsanitary, yeah. And I'm like, this, this is what I've spent 45 minutes this morning purloining for you. Oh my goodness! And, and the coffee with four creams. And Did I they took, put it in for you? And they put it in for you. <laughs> is this? Is this is have you noticed? I've, I've heard it on the radio. I could not. This is their that. new their new thing that the coffee. You know, McDonald's is doing the whole new coffee thing with lattes, right. Oh, right. flavored this. They'll put the cream and sugar in it for you. I don't know about you, darling, but when I order coffee out, mm-hmm. I taste it black first, usually. Mm, true. 
and then I decide just how much cream, sugar, if any, right. I need. Because it's not your coffee, so you it's don't not know how it's made, so you wouldn't know what you want in it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like people that you put a plate of food in front of them. Before right. tasting it, they pick up the salt shaker. Right. How do they know? What's up with that? And, and I hate that because I salt my food when I'm cooking it. And most people, apparently, they think, you know, oh, no salt. And then they, you know, salt it pre- oh, it's, 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 Again, it's not using right. your noggin. It's mm-hmm. trained, learned right. behavior. And then they'll and say, oh, this is too salty. Well, gee, imagine. Well, you salted it. Yeah. <laughs> you should have tasted it first, you know. What does it really need? Because not everything is the same. Use your mind, people. You know, don't just fall into habit and rote. It just, ah, oh, again. Yes. And, <laughs> and I, I handed her her breakfast burrito, and I said this um, was the worst experience of oh, my dear. life. Was she, was she at least thankful? I she hope. was very thankful, especially after I made her feel really bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Art, music, literature... And the truth. It's Four Culture Magazine. Calling all artists. Find out more at fourculture.com. That's F O U R culture.com. Sorry, I've got a massive erection. <laughs> and I can't, I can't, I'm not really, I'm joking. <laughs> Want more commentary and Easter eggs throughout the week? Fuck the Easter Bunny. Sign up for the Diva Newsletter at theartistd.com. Hi, it's me, Frank Catolo, and I invite you to download the great podcast called Catolo Chronicles right here on OutLoudShows.com. No, you're right. The Manhattan Project, no, but the Manhattan Project, they got together because they said, if we could split the atom, can we make a big noise and blow things up, right? Isn't that what they wanted to do with the Manhattan Project? We got some great topics, we got some horrible topics, we got some great guests, and we got some horrible guests. We run the gamut, run the gamut with us. Is that where we ended? Oh, we were looking at the Boy Scout handbook, um, and, uh, and, and what a job they did on this one. What a, what a hand job. So anyway... Download Catolo Chronicles right here at OutLoudShows.com. Our artist D is fabulous. Welcome back to the Fabulous D Show broadcasting from Earth at TheArtistD.com. Uh, the good old days where our sound quality was still wonky and I was a bit more timid of a creature and we were well usually completely drunk it was december 2nd 2007 charlotte had gathered with a bottle of vino and i with my apple martini our theme song sung on none other by frank cotolo it was the fabulous d show it's still the fabulous d show and if it's all a lie and the holidays are a lie and the food is a lie and the cities are a lie what's the truth what is the truth? And the truth is vintage. That's what's vintage about this The Fabulous D Show. It's, you know, incredibly vintage. <laughs> and at the, t- at the beginning of the show, we played you uh, the theme song brought to you by Frank Cotolo. Not, not our new theme song, but our vintage theme song. The one back in 06. You know, where I was talking, Las Vegas, 06, that's where we were, Charlotte Bukowski and I, in 06. 
and we were living in the 24-hour city, the city that never slept, the city that gave you everything you could possibly want. But it didn't. Nothing's there. And that's why I go into these infested uh, malls and things and, and look for what I want. I, I can never find it. That's why I would never buy gifts in these places. Because when I have, when I thought, you know, instead of ordering it online and waiting two weeks for it to get here, I live in a big city. Let me go down the street to the, the local, you know, shop, huge shop, and, and buy what I need. And you go in, and you can't find what you need. Okay, so I'll go to the next mall. You go to the next mall. I mean, there must be, you know, at least four to ten, four to ten, five to ten malls in these big cities. And they just have nothing in them. There's nothing there. I don't know what people are buying, because everything I go for, it, they don't have. Even clothing. I mean, if I just want several of the same color tank top, because I am in, in, you know, I'm in mourning for the world on a constant basis. I don't wear much, but black tank tops and comfortable pants. That's what I do. It's who I am. And, you know, you walk into a store, they don't have that selection. They've got a, you know, a million other god-awful looking things, but black tank tops and comfortable pants, they do not have. Because that's the lie that they're selling you. Wear this uncomfortable thing. You know, wear this colorful tank top. Wear, this, wear these pants that, that, have, that are just not comfortable. And I can't even walk in and, and get a, a package of, of t-shirts that make me, you know, feel comfortable in a store, in the big city. Can't do it. Doesn't exist. Cannot find what I want. Because I have a very distinct idea of what I want to have on my body. Just like I have a very distinct idea of what I want to have in my body, talking about food. And you go to the, the store, I mean, you could make a... If I made a grocery list of what I wanted, and I went to the store, I couldn't find it. You know, I have to couture my list for the type of things they have. And that's just sad in a city, country, world, where we're supposed to have everything we want at our fingertips at all times, forever and ever, so help you. Amen. Thanksgiving. Woo, yes. But I walk into these stores. I walk into the stores. Not because I'm a holiday shopper, because I'm a human being. These fluorescent, chaotic beehives of places. And that's what they are. And no matter if you're a holiday shopper or a holiday person whatsoever, it's not, because I'm not. And you walk into the store anyway, because you need something. And even the grocery stores are not exempt from the holiday shopping craze. Everyone has to get more food, because they have to feed people, and they have to feed them the right things or the wrong things, depending so you can't walk in any of these chaotic beehives without feeling the holiday horrifying hustle. It's repugnant, to coin a phrase. And I walk in, and I am more pissed off from all of that than ever in the year. And it's absolutely horrifying. And you're standing there, and why did they create 100 checkout aisles when they only knew they were going to staff two of them? 
maybe ten, on Christmas Eve night. And that's always bothered me. The the under under well, underpaidness and understaffingness of I don't know about your country, but how about mine? Where the the superstar stores <laughs> superstores have tons and tons of checkouts, but only staff three or four of them on each each end of the giant football stadium like store. And you're standing in line and you know then they go on, and then you turn on the television and they say 13% unemployment, millions out of jobs. Where are all the jobs? Well, the jobs are there. The corporations just don't want to pay you for that work. They don't want to pay 100 people to stand at the cash register to serve just one or two people every now and then. Ooh, that might be bad for business. And it would be bad for business, but that tells me that something's bad. Something's rotten. In the apple. And outside of the apple. And I walked into a hospital the other day, because this is how chaotic the week has been that I had to actually visit a hospital because of a person becoming ill from the things of the world. And I walk into this hospital, and I turn to the left. I mean, the lobby was completely empty. Middle of everywhere. Hospital walk into the main entrance, lobby is enormous, empty. I turn to my left, it says, uh, info desk, currently closed. Okay, in a hospital, all right. Turn to my right, admissions desk, currently closed, please see ER. <laughs> and there's no one around. So, okay, I wander to the elevators, since I can't get any information at the information desk. Push a button on the elevator. Go to the floor I think might be the right floor. No one on the elevator. Walk out into another lobby. Completely empty. Enormous. Completely empty. Where are... It's a hospital, for God's sakes. Where are all the people? Where are all the doctors? Nurses? Support staff? In a hospital? I mean, I felt... You know, I was just thinking about the holiday season and the understaffed nature of the cash registers, and here I am at a hospital seeing the same thing. They have stations for people to be in them, but they cannot hire them because they don't want to pay any money because they think they're losing money, and they cannot fill the desks at a hospital. They don't want to. What the hell? hell is wrong with you people in a hospital? And I wandered the halls in a hospital. I mean, I haven't been in a hospital since I was a child, as far as visitor. And uh, the way I remember it is, is they were very, very chaotic, very busy. I mean, there's a lot of sick people in this world. Most people are. And they go into these places, and there's doctors and nurses, and there's info desk people, and, and there's rules. That's the other thing I noticed is that there, there used to be rules, you know, visiting hours. And, and if you walk down a corridor of patient rooms at a certain time of day, you'd be tackled by, like, security and not be let in. I mean, the whole reason I, was, I, I have a, a, a marriage certificate of, you know, proclaiming my gay marriage is that I can visit my partner when, when he's in the hospital. But from what I saw the other day, no one would bloody well know I was even there visiting. No one would give a shit. And that's just 
beyond my understanding at this time. I mean, the little news I get has led me to believe that hospitals are like they used to be. Apparently not. Wander down the corridor, find the room I'm looking for. There they are. Walk in. I saw one nurse at a station, finally. Didn't really give a shit about me. I went in. I visited. I'm like, are there visiting hours? Is there something I should know? No, no. They just said, you know, people can come see whenever, whenever they want. Oh, that's nice. Does it matter who I... No, it doesn't matter who you are. No. no you could be the freaking, you know, 9-11 bomber walking down the corridor. Nobody would give a shit. Understaffed world. And then they, ho- they hire you for the holidays. Speaking of holidays, Thanksgiving week. It's Thanksgiving week. I don't know what that means to you out there. Global community. Because I know that Canada has Thanksgiving earlier in the month, and it doesn't mean a a tick to us in America. So I'm sure that that the Europeans, whom I love and who are listening to this right now, especially on Transtastic Radio in Europe, transtastic.com, are kind of like, eh, yeah, Thanksgiving in America. Although they probably know it's Thanksgiving in America, because Americans can't shut up about it. You know, Canadians, that's all I see on on Twitter is like one day of them saying, oh, hi, happy Thanksgiving, you know, but Americans, it's like, oh, my God, I got to get the turkey and oh, my God, the stuffing and the cranberries. Oh, don't you know? It's a disgusting time to be alive on Earth in some places, although sometimes it's the best time to be alive on Earth in some places. And Thanksgiving is a lie that they all get involved with stuffing themselves. I mean, but where did it come from? I mean, we've talked about this for four seasons on on the Fabulous D Show. Indians and pilgrims and the lies. I mean, just research the lies and being thankful. And it's just as bad as, as Christmas with everyone gathered around. And then, I mean, Thanksgiving is even worse in a lot of ways, because Thanksgiving was supposed to be, you know, Christmas Junior, where you don't give gifts. You know, it was the right Christmas, the the thankful, the things that people should be doing on Christmas are what they do on Thanksgiving or did. You know, there was no, there was no incentive. That's that's the difference. There was no incentive for Thanksgiving other than the food, but the food was food. It wasn't a gift. It was just food. And, and, you know, they they prayed for thankfulness, and they were thankful. And they ate their food and loved each other and went home, the the modern, everyday family. This was their life, which was lovely. And now... It's it's kind of the same thing, although, of course, they gather and they hate each other. and Well, they've always hated each other, but, you know, and it's overshadowed by Christmas. and They all, you know, go around the table, what are you thankful for? And the bull that these people are thankful for. I'm so, oh my God, if I went to one of these things now, can you imagine? Can I imagine? I can't even imagine. To go, I mean, someone just at the hospital... You know, you can't find a doctor, but I saw a chaplain, and they came and they prayed. 
<laughs> and and while they were praying, I just felt so uncomfortable. It's so strange. It's like, it's it's the usual feeling of when you realize that all all of the people around you believe what you got over when you were 13, and they're like 302, and they still believe it, and they're, they're just dumb. But I mean, the, the praying, and the bounty, and the Jesus, and the sheep, and the, the holy everything, and holy God, what do we have to be thankful for, is the question. And yet, they don't ever bring up anything real. I'm thankful for, oh, the family and the warmth. And the, the, oh, it's so nice. Thanksgiving Day. And William Burroughs said it best in the Thanksgiving prayer, which we have played on the Fabulous D Show since the beginning of time because he said it best. And even back then, when I was still in the Christmas spirit and the Thanksgiving spirit, the holiday season spirit, I still found it to be excitingly true. And as we had have burst and busted down the barriers from then, from season one to season now, it's, it's becoming more and more true because of the things that we talk about, the things that we, we cover on the show. And, I, and we end every Thanksgiving Day special with our Thanksgiving Day prayer on the Fabulous D Show. Thanksgiving Day, November 28th, 1986. Thanks for the wild turkey and passenger pigeons destined to be shit out through wholesome American guts. Thanks for a continent to despoil and poison. Thanks for Indians to provide a modicum of challenge and danger. Thanks for vast herds of bison to kill and skin, leaving the carcasses to rot. Thanks for bounties on wolves and coyotes. Thanks for the American dream to vulgarize and falsify until the bare lies shine through. Thanks for the KKK, for nigger-killing lawmen feeding their notches. For decent church-going women with their mean, pinched, bitter, evil faces. Thanks for Kill a Queer for Christ stickers. Thanks for laboratory AIDS. Thanks for prohibition and the war against drugs. Thanks for a country where nobody is allowed to mind his own business. Thanks for a nation of thinks. Yes, thanks for all the memories. All right, let's see your arms. You always were a headache and you always were a bore. Thanks for the last and greatest betrayal of the last and greatest of human
I hope you thoroughly enjoyed this vintage episode of The Fabulous D Show. Whatever that means. Please tune in every week for new material at theartistd.com. And all of our broadcasters, rebroadcasters, simulcasters, castaways. Next week, I've got the one, the only, Sebastian Harangi. Oh, he's adorable. And talk about aliens. He's welcome on my spaceship any day. I am the Artist D. Until next week, good night. Because of what might happen, you know, Sally and the cookies. Oh my God, right. don't let that happen. For a bit. <laughs> and when I got to Vegas, I was amazed at the amount of children in this city that they walk home every day. They walk to school every day in groups, alone. Uh, I see, you know, what what I would think is like three-year-olds, you know, walking home from school. They're probably like five or six or something. They're, they're hardly four feet tall, and they're just dragging that back back all the way home and that's another thing what's up with the, with these poor children and the 50 pound backpack oh god the backpack what I, is up with that i remember the first year of high school or the first month you know of high school i uh, the few, few first few weeks i took home all of my books because i couldn't figure out how to get my locker open mm, and i you had that put, trouble too i yeah. did oh I put them all in my backpack because I was far too embarrassed. Because someone showed me how to do it and I still couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So I was far too embarrassed to ask anyone. So I took every single freaking high school course book home for weeks. No wonder you have spinal problems. I know. Exactly. And that... And that's, but that's pretty much, you know, no lie of what they're taking home every day because they have to now. You know, they have so much I homework. Didn't, I, I, I didn't, and I heard, I heard, and uh, again on the radio, uh, one of the states back east was in in serious problem with with their their school structure. In that elementary school students should not. They were trying to pass a law. The elementary school students should not be given more than two and a half hours of homework per night. <laughs> elementary school. And that they were trying to implement a homework-free night. Now, excuse me, <laughs> grades one through six. Okay, that's what I consider elementary. Yes. How much are they trying to cram down these kids' throats? Yeah. In the first six years of 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 your of your formal education, I can't say that in the last however many couple of decades that it has changed so much that these children are given that much homework. When I was doing grades one through six, and I was a little bit special. I had a very high IQ. Mm-hmm. I think I still do. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I never took but maybe a book home to yeah. read for a book report. or right. yeah, I never cracked a spelling yeah, book because I didn't have to. My reading skills were high. I was blessed in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I do not recall myself or my daughter ever having more than you know 30 minutes Oh, yeah. to, to brush up on a few things. What are they doing trying to pass into law a, 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 a maximum of two and a half hours? How many hours of, of, of homework are they giving these children per night? Like and they, what they, is it? And, and it's like they get are they doing their jobs? All they do is, is are they doing their jobs as teachers? Exactly, and they're not. They're giving it you know, all. And homework is absolutely meaningless, in my opinion. Just, and how much history, mathematics, spelling, science, on, on, on a rudimentary level, grades one through six, it can't have changed that much. I am so sorry. 
you're 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 stealing children's childhoods by you know by not doing your job. I I I remember going to school at one place in California. It was a small town. Lived there for about two years, two and a half years with with my mother and stepfather, and it was a very long school day. We didn't get out until about three thirty in the afternoon, three thirty quarter four, and we started very early, like quarter of eight. It was a very long day, but again. I didn't bring home homework. It was all done at school. And then we got into junior high. We had homeroom, study hall. Right. That's where we did a lot of our you know, yeah. lot of our work. So we didn't have to take home the work. What are these teachers doing? I mean, I, I since I'm not a, yeah. a, a, an a, yeah, adult I, with with children, it can't have changed that much the, yeah. in in six in the years grades one through six. Well, and, and as I remember it, it was always like a cop out for the homework because it was they taught you the lesson and it's like well whatever you don't finish here do at home and I was not the most assertive child so I'd be taking home things that I didn't really know what I was doing yeah. so it would take me hours because I didn't know what I was doing cause, and I needed I was one of those that would have preferred the one-on-one -on -one ability to get some help but yet That's everything right, I needed help I was right and I was you know I was at home no help, you know. My parents certainly couldn't help me at all, because sure. most people, most parents cannot help with schoolwork anymore, especially anymore. Not anymore, no. Um, but and, and, it's, and it's such a hypocritical thing, and I knew this even then, which is why I always didn't like to do it, didn't want to do it, not because it was tedious, but because it was hypocritical. That clearly the adults were going through the same thing that the children were. That and I see it now. You know, I work all day long. I get up, I have to get ready for work, and I go to work, and I'm preoccupied with work all day. Am I going to want to do work when I get home? Uh -uh. So, you know, and here we're, sent, we're telling them to do, you know, go home, and instead of having fun for a few hours, just, you know, work on what you were doing all day long. Out, out of a lifespan of, you know, 50 to yeah. 100 years, depending on, on the critter, mm -hmm. you only get about 12 years of childhood. Leave it alone, people. Let 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 children be children, and not in Las Vegas. <laughs> let them because that exactly. is not being a child. Yeah, and and you can't tell someone, you know, you can't tell little Sally and Johnny to finish their dinner and then do their homework before they go out to play because clearly, two and a half hours passes before they can go out to play, and it's too dark. Yeah, and then so, you know yeah. you don't you don't want your child running around on their bicycle at, at yeah, yeah. eight o'clock at night. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But yet you know, and that's why around here, compared to Bucktooth PA, they would totally like be in awe that we let our children walk home from school at all, mm -hmm. let alone the ages that we let them walk home. But it's weird that in the city we're less afraid of people stealing our children than in.